Welcome to Collect. Welcome to Colliding Worlds, and I'm going to take everything off. I'm going to surprise everybody with my guest. This is David Tuber, and he does just fantastic things. He's, let's see, you're a writer, you're an actor, you do storyboards, you create characters, you're a comedian. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of everything. Not by trade, um, but on the side. <laughs> <laughs> So, David, welcome. Let let let's let's talk about how. What's your passion? Um, uh, first and foremost, cartoons. It's always been cartoons. Um, I've often said, uh, if you that the animation makes more sense to me than live action. It just it just always clicked. Even as a kid, well, especially as a kid, but even as an adult, I I just connect more to animated things it's you know this metaphor of something real and whether it's abstract or very realistic it just to me i i click with that a lot more i know some people say they're visual people you know they have to be shown something i'm like that but with cartoons it's like show me anything and make it animated and it'll stick it'll really resonate more it's kind of funny when people think of animation it runs all the gamut you you think of you know mickey mouse and then you think of ren and stimpy and then you you know it's all over the place eon flux I and mean, i was a big eon flux person space mm. ghost and you know <laughs> what what were the cartoons or animation that inspired you as a child um well i was i'm a very old soul so i was raised on pre-cartoons i was raised on vaudeville so like mark's brothers Laurel and Hardy and Three Stooges, stuff like that. And that kind of bled into my love of animation because a lot of the early like Looney Tunes is vaudeville, you know, and, and so on. So I really love sketch and that kind of thing. So even Ren and Stimpy, you mentioned, I love Ren and Stimpy. To me, it is very much a stage with two characters playing off of each other, the red clown and the white clown and, and that kind of thing, the meek and the glutton. I just respond really well to that classicness of certain staging and joke deliveries, exchanges between two or three characters. Um, early Simpsons used to do that. And like South Park is, you know, very much like a stage. All the characters are facing camera. And uh, I really like that kind of thing. I also love social commentary. So Rocco's Modern Life, Invader Zim, mm -hmm. uh, again, South Park again. Um, and then I really love the classics, uh, like I said, Lo Looney Tunes, but uh, Felix the Cat. Popeye, oh, I love Felix <laughs> with his bag of tricks. <laughs> yeah, I just, I also just love uh, silly for silly sake. Like sometimes Ren Stimpy would have this great message and sometimes it was just madness and madness is a lot of fun. I can support madness and just good spectacle, good animation can be enough for me sometimes. But the early animation was really not meant for children. It, it was it was adult oriented. If you look at these old cartoons, they were weren't designed to be played on Saturday morning with a cereal box. They were, you know, yeah. And they a lot of times they have hidden messages. Like I've watched the old Bean and Cecil and like a bunch of other oh my stuff. Gosh. It it definitely seemed like they were always winking for adults, you know. And and like you say, there were other messages going on. Um, 
And I, I love those kinds of cartoons that are more psychological, more social discussions and stuff like that. The Flintstones, you know, it was years before I knew what the Honeymooners were, but I knew the Flintstones. And then I went back and I was like, oh, oh, there's something else going on here. This is a sitcom basically for adults um, about that generation living in the suburbs. And I was like, that's interesting. I didn't know as a kid what that was. And I love when there's a message like that. And sometimes you just sell cereal and toys, but I prefer a message. I, yeah, it's funny because animation you can uh, you can get away with things. You can say things that you may not be able to say as a, a as a living breathing person. You can hide behind. In South Park is The Simpsons, even Family Guy. In those, they're they'll say things, and you know that in the real world, if you said it, people would look at you askance. But they seem to get away with it. And is is that a draw for you as well? That political commentary yes. you mentioned it briefly, but. Yeah, it, you remind me of one of my favorite truths of history. And if this is wrong, please correct me. I would love to be told what. But I was supposedly the court jester could say things to the kings that no one else would dare say without getting beheaded. And yep. they would be, you know, fool. So they could get away with some serious pushback on the king's part. And sometimes people would be like urging the jester, like, say, say this, push this agenda because you can get away with it. And that's just it. You can, the medicine goes down smoother with a little bit of silliness, with a little bit of self-loathing, maybe even a, when you, you kind of play the fool a little bit and cartoons, they're not necessarily foolish, but it's that thing where you, you can allow heavier messages sometimes with a political cartoon can say something sometimes louder than the news. You know, it depends how you approach it. It's all in delivery. And I love that. I think that's really fun that um, cartoons can get a pass and they can be sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, but they've been, they've been part of our culture for a long time. If you look at the early, you know, political cartoons from the 1800s, they were pretty biting and pretty scathing in what they had to say. And in, and even now, I mean, in, in the recent past that we've had some car political cartoons um, taken down yeah. because, you know, the, the censorship part of it involved, and I'm not sure that that's the right thing to do, but they, they say things and they poke fun or they think they make you think they're poking fun, but they're really trying to get a point across. And I think that, I think that's a great, a great thing. I mean, when, if, if you had to sit there and just say, oh, okay, what do I want to do with, you know, political commentary, is that something that would really, really appeal to you? Or would you, or would you rather be hiding behind a Ren, Ren and Stimpy? I, I, I like political cartoons for the aspect that they're a mouthpiece. Like I say, you can kind of sneak in the medicine a little easier, but it can also, when it becomes a job, and you have to hit that quota, it starts becoming like, what can I, I go after today? I like doing it on the side. I like having an opinion. I also like being cathartic with my art and just venting. Sometimes that's not constructive, but that's okay. Sometimes not constructive is totally fine. You just want to punch the wall and drawing something is the way to do it. When I was a kid, I used to get angry and draw somebody's head in a vice, you know, sometimes that would help, you know, like <laughs> that was my therapeutic process. And I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to process anger and, and all these other feelings. But for me, political cartoons are fun 
and they're interesting because they make you think and and hopefully send a message. But I would never want to do it as a nine to five kind of thing because then it, I don't know. Then I then I feel like I have to prod the world versus doing it out of I, an actual need. I think I think sometimes when you're a creative person, that when it's I know people who did commercial art. They were commercial artists. And they were great at what they did, but they were always unhappy because they always wanted to be doing something else. And it was that that something on the side. And there's something there's something about it's a an art is a release. Um, mm -hmm. And when you're well, an artist, oh, sorry. Say, when you're an artist, and and you are, and and I've said this before, the minute you put paintbrush on a canvas or a, a pen on a piece of paper you're creating a forever um, and, and it's it's a big legacy because artists capturing a moment that that's gone it's, it's never going to be had again and it's it's something that future generations are going to look back at and judge you're going to judge our society by what we leave behind and what we leave behind if it's not mm -hmm. wreckage is art you know, it, it's a, it's a huge responsibility. Yeah. And I, obviously you won't, it's, you can't, when you put that first paintbrush down on the canvas, you can't overthink who's going to see this 50 years from now. You'll drive yourself crazy. You got to just live in the moment. Of course, you've got to do it for yourself more than anyone. You can't do it for them. You have to do it for you. Um, unless you're trying to sell tickets and then you got to think of both, but uh, you know, if you're really making true art, you're only doing it for yourself and, and you, you just do it because you have to. Um, and there are some messages I would be happy doing as my day to day. Obviously, I, I like worked on the Lego movie, which had a message and um, and that message was not sell Legos. It was bigger than that. But like more oral, I could have worked on that for 10 more years. I was happy as I could as I could be working on that. And that message meant the world to me. And I could have kept working on that over and over. So there's some things, you know, I said, I don't want to do political. Political is a very unhappy world. <laughs> I'm not to say, I don't want to put my head in the sand with politics, but part of me does, but I won't. But I don't know if I want it to be my livelihood because there was a good intense four years recently where I was in the politics every day, all day, and I was miserable. And so I don't want to necessarily make that my life. It's hard when you know when you when you're so deep, and we're all coming out of the whole COVID coma, and it, I think it it made a lot of people self reflect, and I think artists truly found themselves reflecting. And you, there was some interesting art that came out of that period of time. Yeah, um, my wife and I were talking. We we're like, well, it's it's not the '60s, but it's like the '60s. There's a lot of '60s similarities, and I said, well, as long as some good art comes out of this, you know, that's what the sixties. Oh my God, what a renaissance of art we got. And this ain't the sixties, but, uh, we did get, some, <laughs> I think some attempts. And the thing that I realized during the pandemic was the two things I'm most passionate about that I'm not doing enough that I need more of is stop motion and sketch comedy. And I don't know exactly what outlets to uh, approach that with, but I, I want to find something to, to do sketch and stop motion. I think stop motion is interesting. I mean, I grew up, we talk about growing up, I grew up with like Davy and Goliath and Gumby, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I was always fascinated by them. Um, Wallace and Gromit, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're very, 
they're very intense to do. Um, very hard. Very, and, very time consuming. Very, um, you have to be a patient person. And what, what draws you to that though, to that stop, stop animation? For one, it's, of all the animation mediums, it's probably the most distant from computer usage. Even though it still technically uses a computer, it still strikes me as something old and practical. It's this beautiful hybrid of live action and animation. It's somewhere in between. You know, all these mediums, they're, they're kind of reinventing themselves, CG and 2D and, and all these other things. They're, they're changing constantly. Stop motion is still to me the connection to the old world like it is kind of still that thing i mean there's ball and socket you know we, we change the game a lot it's not just clay but it's still this tedious process i love old things i love old mechanics and i think the process of stop motion is beautifully old world and yet it's gotten so smooth and beautiful today and crisp i, I think there's something really cool about that but I still like the grid of it. Mm -hmm. So like I said, it was like live action and animation put together. And um, you can replicate it with CG. They're getting really good at finding ways to replicate it. And that's scary because you want to think it's special and nothing can touch it. But I do believe when you utilize a medium properly, it is a little untouchable. And if you use stop motion just right, if you find the right balance of grit and speed and all these things, and, and I don't, it's, beautiful and you can't really touch that and also doing it the process of it is so fun and so aggravating it's so rewarding and i don't it, i i've animated in all sorts of mediums but there's nothing more gratifying than get the shot right in stop motion i think it's kind of cool i like i said i always i was always fascinated by it i'm wallace and gromit was i, I don't know i just loved that i just love that whole thing and I know people who worked on it and they, they were happy. They were complaining about that. It was a lot of work, but they, they enjoyed it and you have to enjoy what you do. And so far you've done to, you've had some interesting things you've done. Let's see, where, where can I find this? I had this little slide of yours from Monopoly. Oh, that um, thing. <laughs> yeah. That was just a silly short I made um, with friends. I was uh, feeling I wanted to make something live action real fast and just just to do it, you know, fun shorts with your friends. And it was so fun. And it came out exactly how I wanted it to. And I, I wrote it. I boarded it. Um, had a few friends collaborate. And it was one of those quick shoots. And I, I love it. It's so much fun. Um, see, this is one of those moments when I, I do not understand artists that don't watch their own work or look back and look at their own stuff. I make stuff because I want to watch it. This this short makes me so happy. When I watch it, I'm entertained. So I, that's one of the reasons I do this stuff is I want to see it. And uh, yeah, this came out great. <laughs> <laughs> but and you've 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 had success. So I put one up here. Um, you worked on Angry Birds. Yeah, um, and they, sure. that was that, that, everybody knows Angry Birds. Everybody knows it, and it, that's very different than working on something like like monopoly or well sometimes you make up the work like monopoly was just me making up some stuff for myself and my friends but this angry birds that's a major motion picture and sometimes you just take the job that's offered to you you know i'm not saying i didn't like 
Angry Birds, I did. I loved it. But it was, it came to me. Somebody recruited me and said, would you want to work on this? And I said, yeah, I'm available. I would love that. And it was fun. It was a fun gig. I didn't expect that because I didn't know what to expect from a game turned feature. Um, but they brought me on. They said, would you make some jokes? Would you board this? And it was, it was a blast. I just got to write jokes all day. And was, was it? Was it different because were you working more with a team, you know, as opposed to working with yourself? Was that was that a, a different experience as a as an artist? No, I'm, I'm used to working with teams at this point. Um, Angry Birds was pretty far along at that point because I'd been on like Robot Chicken and Moral Oral. Um, we had, I think, at that point, I was either on BoJack or the first Lego movie. I'm getting my timeline crisscrossed, but. I'd done a lot of studio stuff at that point. So I, I got a sense of the group collaboration and I fell in love with it. I really do love a good studio with a solid electricity and its crew. And uh, Angry Birds was just a, it wasn't that long. It was just a few months, but it was still a really fun project. And I mean, sometimes it can just be the joy of drawing certain characters. And those characters were just fun to draw. That's all it was. It was like, okay, these are fun. The pigs are fun. I can kind of whip up some ideas. They don't really have an, an exact idea of what this scene is. So they're letting me kind of play a little bit. And that's the best when I get to play and a director will let me do that. That's, that's special. And I appreciate that. It's kind of cool when they, you have a little bit of freedom to work on things, but, and, and this kind of leads me to the elephant in the room. Um, AI. Oh, you know, I mean, yeah. everybody, everybody is like ducking their head. And I mean, the actors union was, you know, on strike for a very long time and AI was a big issue. Um, do you feel that it, that'll have an impact on, on what you do? Yeah, I'm, oh man, I, I'm trying real hard not to be the, the panic guy and freak out about the new invention and i don't want to be that old coot but boy does it feel like the sky might be falling it, it i'm trying so hard not to feel that way but just based on the amount it's excelled in the amount of time it's been around that pattern tells me there's something to be worried about uh, people's jobs are at stake and i wouldn't say that if it wasn't for some examples already taking effect that's the thing. Like we've seen um, Marvel and a few other examples of people losing out to, you know, AI is taking their jobs and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, I'm all for using tools and learning how to control them and utilize them. And I think there should be checks and balances on certain people's jobs, but a lot of people don't care about that stuff. Most the kind of thing, the common person doesn't care about, you know, the the ethics of it. And they're just interested in, Ooh, my avatar, you know, my profile picture looks cool now. And it's like, yeah, that took away a lot of work and stole from other artists. And I got a problem with that. So I'm again, trying to reserve my, my panic mode, but it, it definitely keeps my eyebrows up. I'm trying not to, uh, try not to let them replace me. I'm trying to stay relevant. So trying to learn about it and see what I can do about that. I think the interesting thing with it, like I said, everybody in the entertainment sector is nervous about it mm -hmm. um, from actors on down because it's it, the potential to take away a job is, is there a career, a livelihood, a dream. 
And, and that's that's the thing that's kind of scary about it. But one thing I have noticed about AI, it's not the same as when a person creates it. It's and not the same to you and me. We have the eyes to see it, but so many people. This is exactly how I felt when CG swept in. When I saw Toy Story, that was huge. I loved it. I was like, wow, that was amazing. And then I started noticing more and more. It was almost like a requirement that live action movies had CG in it, you know, and most people weren't bothered by it, but I was just cringing the whole time. Like, oh my God, that plane at the end of Air Force One, are you kidding me? And like so many other scenes, I was just dying of how bad it looked. And most of my friends would just tell me to shut up. And they're like, we didn't even notice. And I'm like, that's worrisome. Most people, I don't think, have the eyes to catch the awkwardness of it. Um, even some artist friends of mine can't detect it. So it's the same with like stop motion and CG. Most people can't tell the difference. <laughs> um, some people can, but a lot of people cannot. So it's it's the integrity of the art. And, you know, the if, you're, if your audience doesn't know and they don't even care, then, yeah, you're going to be sold up the creek for a cheaper, faster, sexier tool. Um, uh, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, it's like the tool. Yeah, the, you're supposed to control the tool, not the tool control you. But I remember, it, it, to me, it's like I can see the difference, and I I feel that there's a coldness to AI still. Um, to to me, it's kind of like if you ever listen to a, if you ever watch a movie in a foreign language, and you and you hear the language, and you see the subtitle, and you're like, that's not what they're saying. It's like, <laughs> it's like there's nothing more aggravating to me than sit there and go. Yeah, no, this is why it doesn't make sense that the, the translation's all off. Um, it's it's infuriating to those of us that know the difference and work really, like, work so hard and miss out in life events because we were working late to deliver something artistic and then people can just replace it in two seconds. So, it, yeah, it can be a little deflating and I'm hoping... I'm I'm not sure what the future holds. That's the thing. I don't have an I I don't know where this is going, but I'm definitely watching my back and trying to keep relevant and uh, do something that hopefully AI can't. I think what AI can't do is recreate what makes people human. There's there's that there's that missing. It's anything else. It's like a CAD drawing. You can always tell a CAD from something that was done by hand and mm -hmm. it's the same thing when you look at uh, some of these these projects but for someone like you i mean this is your you you do so much with it as an illustrator as an artist your storyboard you create these things where do you see yourself going um you know what's the next step for you well there's there's been this idea in the back of my head for literally decades now and i keep saying it's going to happen and i think it's just it has to it has to um and that's just start pumping out my own work independently um i just have to find the right venue and the fastest turnaround and a pipeline that works for me that means finding a program that like suits me um I'm not the most tech savvy guy. So that is my biggest uh, flaw in that because it, it would be a lot easier if I was an independent techno whiz and I could knock the stuff out, no problem. But I'm a bit of an idiot in that department. So I am trying to find a pipeline and a event like, you know, YouTube. I don't know. Maybe it's TikTok. Who knows? But like, I'd love to put out animated sketch comedy. That would be amazing if I could find a way to put that out quick 
and hopefully without AI, but maybe with a little bit, if, if I can ethically get my head around it, you know, but um, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm trying to find an independent way to make art faster and get it out. And sketch, like I said, is so important to me. I've got a million little jokes and comments and social commentaries I want to say, and not all of them are laugh out loud. Some of them are a little commentaries on the day, but I would still love to find a way to get these little vignettes put out in some form, be it single panel comic or, or little animated thing. I even seriously considered sock puppet theater, like whatever it takes, I would love to get <laughs> these jokes out there. That's something that's important to me. And you're too, but you may not remember when I was a kid, they had public television was big thing, public access. Mm -hmm. And there was somebody in, in New York who, who the, the puppet just moving his hand. And it was like, there was like this whole sensation. It was just a guy, but, but people were fascinated by it. it. It was just on public access because that's it was. A, that's a great idea. <laughs> oh my God. It was just, it was, he had a little eyes and a mouth and he just did that for, and people sat there and watched it. And it was like, this was before YouTube, but it was, it was something that was different or, or just no one could believe it was up there. But when you're someone like you, who's, who's clearly creative, I mean, you've got to look at, you know, where where you can go and and what you can do and and there's so many possibilities because with 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 this type of art you can you can you can say something silly you can say something important and getting it out i agree sometimes in this the social media world there's so much clutter mm -hmm. and to find your way to the top yeah it's um, hard to stand out and you mentioned public access, by the way, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. We had so much of that stuff. It was great. I love the public access channels. That was my go-to. And then second to that was PBS. So, oh. uh, so many gems and it was like garage sale after garage sale of gems, you know, <laughs> you know what you were going to get. And that's what early YouTube was. And that yeah. was exciting. And I missed <laughs> that. And I'm trying to find what the next move is. And you never know. You got to just send everything in all directions. Can't just sit back and wait. You know, it's just, it's just a, it's a numbers game. So you just have to kind of put everything out in all directions. Um, and that's what I really hope to do is get stuff on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and just start getting my sketches made quickly. That's the thing. I get, I get so hung up with so many artists on the same thing for way too long. And it's like, what am I doing? You killed it. Like the joke was over years ago when you had it, like now it's not even relevant. So yeah, I just got to find a faster approach to getting this art made. And I, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So, you know, it's hard to get things knocked out. Hard. Well, it's hard. I mean, I have the series that I worked on and it took us over a year before we were able to put it out. And even then you sit there and you tear it apart and you find things that are wrong with it. But there's with this, I think, the the advent of all these streaming um, channels, they they seem to be good outlets for creative mm -hmm. people. Um, yeah, I would love to get a channel that regularly was being fed, you know. And it's hard to do that with a full time job. And even even the guy who draws on his hand, and you know, today you got to edit that and add sound effects and make it entertaining. And how do you make that stand out? I mean. To me, that sounds great. I would totally watch that. But we're a small breed of people. Like, you know, <laughs> I 
reach the, to get real algorithm reach to get all these people like it's it's a numbers game so it's it's tough you got to really stand out it's it's hard and and i i'll agree with you on that it's hard to get heard but 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 sometimes i think talent always comes through um media having having the right pr is always the key too i mean how many mm -hmm. times have you seen things and you go i don't understand and then you're like why That's is this my life oh it drives me crazy oh my gosh i sit there i'm like going i i'm am i missing something and, yeah, that's, and then, that's all of it. I'm <laughs> I like laugh. I mean, it was like, but and it goes back to like, like I said, animation. When I was a kid, the Flintstones, the Jetsons, everybody wanted the flying car. Um, mm -hmm. Felix the cat, even though the professor was a little scary, you know, they were they were interesting and fun to watch. And you watch the old Rocky and Bullwinkle or the old mm -hmm. fractured fairy tales. And to your point, if you really listen, there's a message to be had there. And quite a lot. And they, they may have blown by uh, you know the five-year-old, but it certainly didn't blow by mom and dad. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like they're having a lot of fun too. It seemed a lot less manufactured, a lot less well, I mean they were flying, you know, they were just going by the seat of their pants. I mean, Looney Tunes was the same way. They looked like they were having a blast. Now, those animators were probably working 14-hour days at least and missing out on their kids' birthdays. So, you know, it wasn't all fun, but it still had that sense of fun and, like, wink-wink to the adult crowd, and I love that. And cartoons today are a little more manufactured and processed. They, they go by the rules, and let me tell you, there's this thing in storyboarding I just learned about a few years ago called script-driven versus um, board-driven. And the difference is script-driven, those characters are basically drawn already. You don't really draw much. You kind of just pose the paper doll into place, and you don't really come up with new ideas. But board-driven shows, they don't even have the script necessarily, and that's when you get to play and really experiment. And it's more interpretive drawings versus the exact keyframe. So it's a very different role just based on the, those two words. And uh, I didn't know that. A lot of people still don't know that. And uh, th what a game changer. And that's what that's a big difference to me is like I would like to get into animation. I would like to make animation or be part of animation that is more play, more creative. And obviously it's still going to be hard work. It should be, but rewarding hard work versus this more rigid fill in the numbers kind of thing. I, I got to tell you, the early animation, when you look at those cells, mm -hmm. the number of cells that it took to create, and they were all hand-drawn and hand-painted, and the number of people who were involved and the work that went into it, and the hours yeah. um, that were put into it, it it's, it's, it's very intense. But at the same time, there's something very unique and very cool about it. There's yeah. something about animation, about that whole genre that, that that it's just doesn't translate into you know when you watch a movie and, and it's an action and there's something about watching that animation that's that's that somehow di it's different it, it triggers different emotions and i don't mm -hmm. know you know like i say you you watch these things you know there were so many weird shows on and comedy central when they had space ghost and the tick and they had all these shows on it was it, it was you found yourself watching them more than you'd watched what sex and the city or whatever was on it the opposite the opposite them mm -hmm. yeah i you definitely know? love 
the variety. Oops, sorry. I love the variety of. I mean, we have a really great melting pot of animation in in the states, and obviously, it's outsourced. A lot of it's outsourced, but still, when you look at the end product, we have so many different looks, and I really love that. And sometimes you almost don't even know what you're looking at. Like Rock was my life. He's a wallaby, but you know. Wallaby, uh, same with Ren from Ren Stimpy. He's a Chihuahua, but he's almost like he's not really a Chihuahua anymore. He's the strange mosquito thing, but he is what he is, and you buy it. And I love that. I love when something kind of reinvents what it's supposed to represent. And um, I definitely love the playfulness of the animation in this in America. But uh, well, not just America, lots of countries. But um, to what you were saying, the hand touch of those old cartoons like Looney Tunes those backgrounds are masterpieces those are like beautiful fine art paintings and they're just backdrops you know like lush forest for Elmer Fudd and and uh, Bugs to have a feud in but like they're beautiful paintings any one of those could be hanging in an art gallery and I sometimes forget you know you think you're watching a cartoon it's all silly and fun and games cat and mouse kind of thing but it's like this is art this is actually fine art mixed with sometimes lowbrow humor and it's really fun to see the two collide and and that's the cool thing like you say about animation about any of that and it doesn't have to be sometimes they can be you know very you know there were some cartoons and that were that were very interesting and they they really weren't lowbrow humor and then you had then you had things like fritz the cat mm -hmm. <laughs> it was the first you know, pornographic, um, animated cartoon or whatever that made it mainstream. There's so many things that you can do and get away with, but there's a skill to it that that you as an artist must have. It's it's not everybody not everybody can write a joke. And you talk about sketch comedy. Not everybody can create and give life to a drawing. There's 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 yeah, something I, about that. What I what I like is when I see like I'll see some independent shorts and maybe they didn't have the best hand at animation. Like it's not smooth animation, but man, they nailed these great poses or maybe it's not about the animation. You know, it's about the dialogue or beautiful sound design. Have you noticed animated shorts from France have incredible sound design <laughs> every single time I watch, like my life is a zucchini. That's a animated movie. Stop motion from, Oh my God. Sound design is so good. That whole movie is great. It's one of my favorite movies, but Again, sound design. And I'm like, oh, wow, they they picked their battles. That's the cool thing. You know, with live action, if anything's missing, you're going to notice it. But with animation, you can kind of get away with missing a few things. You can have white background. You can just have nothing and just have this really interesting take on the character. Or you can have no dialogue. You can just remove that. And uh, so many so many ways to to skin that cat. You You don't have to have it all on the surface. I think that's pretty cool. You know, it's like, okay, we're, we're a very low budget production. We can only afford so much, but we know the performance is king. This performance, this monologue is really what it's about. Okay. Then, you know, cut back on something else. That's pretty cool. I love that about animation. You can get away with a lot. It's, it doesn't have to be the complete package necessarily. No, and sometimes you have to leave things to the imagination and let people fill in the blanks themselves. I think, mm -hmm. I think the, the idea that you have to spoon feed everything all the time is really not it's not entertaining it's not fun and you zone out 
Um, and I love experimenting too. I love like when uh, I'm sorry to bring a brand simply for the 90th time, but it is so good because it did so many cool, innovative things. Use it, those backgrounds. My God, who's that? Like Bill Ray or I forget, mm -hmm. but, um, mm -hmm. incredible backgrounds. And they were so experimental and psychedelic. And this was a kid show. <laughs> this is a Nickelodeon and they would cut to these weird backgrounds and it was like, it worked. It totally worked. And I thought, you know, my little brain as a kid was melting. Like, what is this? This just changed every rule I thought I knew. It. it was kind of like watching in South Park where they have the Terrence and Philip. Yeah. The little cartoon within the cartoon. Yeah. It was just, okay. I mean, I like that, like Terrence and Philip. I don't know why, but I always did. But <laughs> there was something going on with them. I and mean, you go back to that, Ren and Stimpy also brought us Beavers and Butthead. You yeah. know, that whole that whole thing that went on. And I I, I don't know. I, I just I just find it I find it intriguing. I've I have friends who worked for Disney and you know the hours and the time that they would put in to creating a character that you know it, it's it's amazing. But to your point, it's 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 a combination of things. And when you're when you're working on your own projects like with like with the stop animation, you've got to think about you like you said all those things the background the foreground the music um, the lighting all of those things are just as important in animation as they are in in any feature film mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong as much as i love doing things my own way of course i i really can't say this enough i love collaborating a major studio when it's when it's right like we were on the first Lego movie, uh, the story team. We became friends overnight, and it was lightning and bottle, and it was a wonderful time. And we, we just, we were just best friends instantly, and we were having so much fun. And then we went to work. You know, it's just like, what a what a joy that was. And nobody saw that come. I don't think they. It was just coincidence that we got along so well. Sometimes you go to work and you say good night, and that's it. But we, we're still in touch. Um, that was great. You know, sometimes you get lucky with that kind of crew. And that's when the ideas get really fun. You know, you create off of each other. And especially when you're joke writing, oh, I'll tell you one of my biggest inspirations, or maybe not inspirations, but images I held on to was the Dick Van Dyke show. The writer's, yeah. the writer's room, again, old soul. So watched a lot of Dick Van Dyke, a lot of black and white shows. And the, the writer's room in Dick Van Dyke is to this day, one of my favorite ideas, just this room with the view of the city, a piano, some diverse people. You got a boss who comes in who you can make fun of when he leaves. And, <laughs> and it was just so much fun to just off of each other. That's that's a dream. Uh, I've had that a few times. It's beautiful. And you can't get that on your own. So, you know, it, there's something to be said about the collaboration. There's something to be said about it. And you're right. The Dick Van Dyke show had, you know, that Maury Amsterdam and Rosemary in that room, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It was amazing. And, and it's funny because I, until I got involved in what I do in writing and in such, the writer's room just was like, what's that you know you, you just didn't you just didn't think about it in those terms and but it gives you a new perspective on all kinds of things you know, you know yeah. joke writing is not easy um no. i read the book one time and i say i'll try to read this book and it's about the science of jokes it was like you know testing Ooh. the brain as to what was gonna and it was like 
charts and studies and you know, <laughs> how to write the perfect joke. And I'm like, oh my God, by the time you get to reading this, you're not going to want to write anything. Um, it's it, it's not that easy to write a joke. And in sketch comedy, is like you say, is sometimes it's instantaneous. It's it's something that's happening now. Um, and that's yeah, I, kind of a cool thing. I've seen the writer's room where you're just bouncing ideas and it's really silly and off the cuff. And then I've seen heads down typing into your laptops and they're also considered joke writers, you know? So like it comes in all forms. Um, obviously you want that Dick Van Dyke show experience. Uh, I think that's the dream for a lot of comedy writers, but often it's not that it's a lot of bad ideas and up till 4am ripping your hair out, getting angry with each other and, uh, a lot of chest puffing. So, you know, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do to be funny on cue. That's another one of those things that a lot of people wouldn't want to do for a living. It just takes the fun out of it. But I've, I've been lucky enough to write, uh, I've never been a like professional joke. Well, I've been hired to do like punch up and stuff like that. So I guess I have in some respect and I, I love it. I love just going through them and being like, how can this be better? What can we do to punch this up and um it's kind of a dream job um but it can be stressful too you know being funny on cue is not easy and i'm not that funny of a person i'll be honest i'm i'm like half and half i take a lot of chances and i swing out a lot so uh but i i when i'm hired to do it i think i do pretty good but i'm sure you do it you know you have to do you have to take a chance sometimes and and that's this is the thing about being an artist and especially someone in your position, you have to take a chance. Yeah. You, you have to get out there and, you know, show the drawing or tell the joke or whatever it is. And sometimes you win and sometimes you don't. And it, 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 like an actor, how many, how many auditions do you go on before you get a, you know, you get a job for like every 200 auditions, you get one job. I mean, right. <laughs> it, it, it's you know, you, but you keep doing it. You know, you just get out there and you keep doing it. It was hard um, when I was in like just recently graduated college, moved out to LA. This is like circa 2006 and 2005, and I'm very new. I think I know what's funny. I know what I like, and I've never really been in the writers' room. And then I was suddenly finding myself in that kind of place and being asked, what do you think? And I'm like, oh God, these are my idols I'm working with right now from Mr. Show. And I'm working with these guys. The, to me, they're like the top tier and I'm trying not to screw up. And it was terrifying, but um, I held up pretty well, but uh, <laughs> it was just such a learning curve, but also just constantly experimenting, trying new stuff, trying this and that. Now I know what my comedic voice is. I know I can give it like, I can't give it a name, but I know what it looks like stylistically. So I know like what I like, whereas before I was just kind of reaching in all directions. But um, yeah, it's definitely much like my other artistic voices. Like I, I know I'm honing in on one thing now. So I can say my art is this, my humor is this, my passions and storytelling are these, and it's starting to really take shape. So that's good. Hopefully, AI can't duplicate that. <laughs> no, and they can't. But I mean, being an artist is an evolution, and it's it's a job you can never. I don't think you can ever leave because you can always grow, mm -hmm. and 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 that's a that's the thing with it. When you first start out, maybe you don't know 
you know exactly what it is, but you have an idea and you keep going at it. And then you find people who, who you work with. And it's always nice to work with people who you can bounce ideas off as not everybody's going to always tell you, oh my God, that's brilliant. Because it's probably not, but you know, it, there's, there's got to be a give and take. Now, again, the thing I find, I think the hardest thing to write is comedy. Um, and I, I, I think I it's do. one of the harder things. Um, punch up is easy, easier because it's already set up. You just have to elevate it, but to come from nothing, um, I'll say this standup is without a doubt the hardest. I, I don't know how people do that. That's a firing squad, but to write from nothing and, you know, comedy is the main thing is comedy is hard because the audience is basically going in like this, like, all right, make me laugh. And uh, that's really tough. Whereas I don't know if they do that as much with the other genres. I think people in horror are like, oh boy, scare me. And uh, drama, ooh, make me cry, make me feel. But with comedy, it's it's a very pouty kind of approach. Sometimes people come in like ready to uh, just feel nothing and and that can be tough. So oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a very hard thing to get people to laugh. Um, this is where I, I love physical comedy. I love not fall down, go boom kind of comedy, but like a good physical gag is a wonderful thing. And this is where cartoons can really help because <laughs> you can do stuff you can't normally do. <laughs> well, you can't send somebody out the head with an anvil. I mean, really? I mean, you could try, but um, <laughs> it's fun to think that the performance and animation is done by so many people. You've got your animator, your voice actor, at the very least, you have two people coming together to make one. But then you've got now so many other things. If it's a CG feature, you've got the rigging artist. You've got the texture person and all the other elements coming together to make this one performance. And it's kind of wild to think you could have, you know, Charlie Chaplin or you can have 15 people come together to make one performance. It's a very weird thing. Um, how many people it takes to make a joke or a heartfelt moment out of a character performance is so wild when you think of it that way. It is. And when you, and, and you, and the thing about it is you don't realize how, what the intensity is until I always look at the credits mm -hmm. and we don't leave until the credits are over. And I, resent I never, we, the lights are on and they're pushing us out. I want, I see all the credits and we watch awesome. them and I look for people I know and things that, you know, whatever, and little things that you pick up. I look at, I hate when I watch something on TV and they cut the credits. It drives me nuts. Yeah. That's awful. <laughs> oh, it um, is. But, but look at the credits, watch a cartoon, oh, watch yeah. the credits that roll through on South Park or the Simpsons or any of those. And it's not five people. There's a whole crew of people that are involved in this from every little detail. They won't um, even say how many people were at rough draft Korea. It's just the name, you know, yeah. it's like, who, how many hundreds of thousands of people are in, <laughs> in there. But uh, yeah, that's how I learned how animation works too. Just if you want to learn how filmmaking and animation works, read the credits. And you if you don't know to. what a best grip is, look it up. Well, the funny thing is, if you watched um, Mission Impossible, the Tom Cruise movie that was the last one he did, mm -hmm. there were over 10,000 people that were employed in that movie, just wow. that movie. Jeez. And you know, you're like, how? And it's 
but with the kind of work that you were talking about, the Ren and Stimpies, the Wallace and Gromits, there's there's a there's a whole family behind there. It's not two or three people. Yeah. And, and, and everybody's got a role. Motion. What's cool about that crew, I'd say more than 2D or CG, and and sorry, those mediums, but I gotta say stop motion. You're such a tight community. It's I think it's because you physically see each other. And the same for live action. There's something about the practical when you see each other and you're on set and there are sets in stop motion and you have this real physical grind and you can see the the, the scene happening and there's lighting and, you know, it's almost like, you know, action and cut, but a lot slower. Um, when you have that production you feel a sense of community. It's not quite the same with the other mediums. You're a little bit more separated and there is a, there's a community, but it's just never going to be quite the same. It's something quite special. I was just talking to Sam Fell who made Chicken Run 2 and he was talking about that at Ardman, how there's always been and always will be that sense of community. And it's, it's like the Muppet Gang, uh, you know, the Jim Henson Workshop, same kind of thing. It's a bunch of bunch of artist hippies who, you know, understand felt and they just fell in love with this thing. And, and now they're the Jim Henson workshop and uh, the world knows who they are, but they're still that community. Anyway. They all knew Mr. Snuffleupagus is and Cookie mm -hmm. Monster and whatever. And, and, and even that, that show is the complexity in that show was amazing too. What it, what it cost to put that together. And mm -hmm. There's a there's something to be said for that, but going back to kind of what what you're doing, you 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 have these short films that you worked on. You like to stop animation. It's it's not easy to do that, and you you have to rely on other people. And again, it's it I I find it intriguing because I've always been fascinated by it. Um, you know, I never. I used to draw as a kid and I used to draw little stick figures, make those little books where you flip them and yeah. they move a little bit. And I thought mm -hmm. that was really cool. You know, I don't think they even make those anymore, but it was, it was nice. You can, to make see. Them. You can just yeah. make them on your own. Yeah. But it's kind of see when things come alive like that. Now, when, when you were a kid and you were working on all of this, what was your goal? I mean, what was your, what the, when you were four years old sitting there thinking, this is what I want to do for a life. I'm going to make cartoons or whatever. What is it that you wanted to make? What would you, was it a, were you thinking you were going to make a superhero? I mean, what, what was in your brain initially that got you motivated to continue? Um, it's always been an animated TV show. Um, the Simpsons came out when I was, let's see, I was probably seven, I think. And, uh, that was huge. Uh, I was already in love with animation before that. Age four, you mentioned. That's literally the age I chose to pursue animation. And I I just knew I wanted to make cartoons in some capacity. But I really wanted to reach people through TV because that was the main way to reach people. And I love the idea of sitting down and reaching everybody with my cartoons, my drawings. And it wasn't even about the stories because I, I didn't have a sense for writing or story. But I knew I loved cartoons and making my own characters. I've always said, I don't care if I'm famous ever, but I would love if my cartoons were. Um, as long as it's not, you know, Gypsy's Curse and like it's that frog that went all MAGA. But uh, <laughs> that would be horrible. But um, anyway, let's not talk about that. Um, I, I, would, I would love to have a series 
And then as I got older, I started appreciating writing and I learned, oh, I have a knack for that. I really enjoy writing. I love writing. Oh, my God. And now I have a couple series that I'm pitching and I've been pitching for years and tweaking. And OK, it's not not what you're looking for. OK, well, how about this? You know, and I keep trying to make it into something that I'll sell, but also make sure it has the integrity that I want it to have because it has to be personal and um, I've got like a few projects that I'm always circulating, trying to get going. And I'm still trying that, but I'm definitely not limiting myself to only television because, I mean, that's that game has changed completely. Um, you know, streaming, but not just that. It could be an online thing. Um, dare I say graphic novel. You know, I'm trying not to limit myself to any one thing. But I, in a perfect world, would sell an animated something that was a regular occurrence on on some platform and it was you know episodic that would be great um and what that is i'm not quite sure uh but i have a lot of different options so that's a good thing you, you mentioned the simpsons the simpsons started out as a um a, a, a little piece of the tracy allman show right and if you yeah. look at the, if you look at the early simpson drawings and and the story and the way the characters were they do not resemble the Simpsons that you see now. But there was that Matt Greening commentary that was always there. That was in Life is Hell. That was in all his other stuff that he put in the newspapers. And I thought, okay, he he kept that part of him ingrained in the in the final product. So that's pretty cool. And that's the part I really like the most about anything he's created is his his brain and his take on things and his statements about, you know people in society so i i miss his cartoon yeah life as hell was a great one to watch mm -hmm. but they can there's something to be said but there's something you can grow with and that's that's an interesting thing and i think i think i think we're we're so comic book and marveled out but i think true animation still has a place um, i think we're we're not just getting fatigued in those departments, but I think the mainstream with the strikes and so much else, I think people are starting to, I could be wrong, but if I had to guess, I'd say there was more of a want for independent stuff now than there has been in a while. The last time I can remember this is like mid late nineties when Miramax was bursting and like all that was going on. There was a lot of independent film and, independent animation like you said Beavis and Butthead and was it Oddities on MTV mm -hmm. and like all that stuff and Cartoon Sushi, Liquid TV there was just so much independent animation at that time and I think now with A24 and a few others there's like this want for independent weird stuff again I'm hoping that's the case because that's my bread and butter so, <laughs> I think there fun. is I think I think the strike, the writer strike, and the actor strike, have even though they may be settled now, they left a void, and if and it's a good time. In the last time we had a writer strike, it brought us reality TV. I don't care to see the Kardashians anymore. I don't care about how big their asses are. I just want to, <laughs> want to see something else, you know. And I think now this is a, this is an, a golden opportunity. I think for for independent to to really make a stride, especially if you look at it from the business point of view. Everybody had a strike calendar when they were all going to go back to work. Yeah. So by the time everybody gets up and running, it's going to be June. And yeah. 
And so this is a great time for, for an, an independent project to be. I would hope up. so. I mean, I just have to find the, it sounds so silly, but like it's, it isn't just algorithms, but that is a big part of it. It's, it is a numbers thing. It's a mathematical thing. And I hate that that's true. I have friends who work for major companies and they told me they're like, doesn't matter if you have the next Meryl Streep of animation. That's a weird analogy, but you get my point. It doesn't matter if you don't <laughs> if you don't release it at the right time and if it doesn't, you know, magnetize with the right crowds and share the right way. It's it's a weird data analysis thing, and I I don't like that that it's so controlled by programming, but that is a part of it. So. Um, Anyway, I sometimes I just would like to ignore all that, put my head in the sand and just make stuff and just be like, I hope it goes well, you know, release. But maybe it's a bit of both. I think you have to have a little sense of that as well. Well, the thing now is when you went, because everything is, is so online and so media driven and, you know, TikTok, Instagram, whatever, it's getting the right, the right keywords, not using the, the keywords too often because then Google bounces you and you can't you know, you can't play with them and it's, it's another whole world and it gets, it gets frustrating. It's very aggravating and it becomes sad when you see things that are so good and you, but nobody else sees them. Like, well, it's it's not totally new though. Cause I mean, you could argue that, you you know, Hey, I'm on TV. Isn't that enough? And it's like, well, yeah, but you got a crummy time slot. No one's going to watch you at four 15 in the morning on that channel. So, you know, there's, it's just a different way to look at that. And uh, this is when a producer is helpful (laughs) or someone who knows social media really well. A social media manager is kind of like a producer these days. It's a weird thing. Um, I hate knowing these things, but I have to. (laughs) You know, and there's, this is the interesting thing about art. There's a business side to it and you, you can't ignore that part of it. You can't ignore the part that even if you are an animator, you can still get sued because someone didn't like what you said, you know, or, or, you know, there, there is, there is that side of it that even if you are a creative, you need to know to protect yourself. And most artists will say, well, I, you know, the copyright that I copyright this, I copyright that. And, and you, and you really ask them and like, Oh, I mailed it to myself in an envelope. It's like, yeah, okay. That gets you nothing. Um, but you need to be aware of the business, and, and it's it's great that you you recognize that. I mean, you you you're very talented, and there's it's kind of cool when you look at what you've done. Um, and I, but it's sometimes how do you get heard above the noise? And you've got to play the game. It's like you got to put on the suit and tie and do all mm. the things you don't want to do. Yeah, I remind myself. I mentioned Chaplin earlier. He's I, I always like Charlie. He's <laughs> real fast i always compared charlie and buster to uh, pc and apple um, <laughs> buster is so mechanical and exact and he is so exact and so good but the user-friendly version is definitely charlie so anyway that's my fun analogy but um charlie i remind myself was also a businessman you know he wasn't always bouncing around uh, chasing women on the side. He was not just having a, a blast. He was also arguing numbers and he was also in the cutting room and composing. I mean, the guy worked more than anyone would believe. So I remind myself that, you know, it wasn't all fun and games. He, he had to do the business. So I hate the business. I, well, I don't, 
let me rephrase. I don't like numbers and arguing mathematics and algorithms and things like that, but I know it comes with the territory. Uh, I love the business. I just don't like <laughs> talking numbers. It's It takes the fun out of it. You know, where's the artistry in that? But you got to do it. And and that's, and that's the hardest part, I think, for any artist and is when they don't know the business and, and then they get frustrated, you know, and it, you're right. It's, it's a game. It's, it's a huge gamble when you, when you're involved in this. And now I, now that kind of what bothers me is almost every, I remember when um, Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator and all those programs came out and they were bloody expensive. And now it's like, oh, I can get the suite and I can pay, you know, two ninety nine a year and everything's updated and blah, blah. All of a sudden now everybody wants to, everybody who has a program or has an iPhone or whatever is now, you know, Francis Ford Coppola or their, you know, their, their Ansel Adams or anything. And they're not. Mm -hmm. And, and it, there's something, it, there's something good and bad about that too. And that, that that plays against, I think it makes it harder for people who are truly creative and who really put the time and effort in to get heard. It's there's nothing more frustrating when you know it's like somebody's on TikTok and they make videos of their you know cat riding around on the Roomba, and oh my God, they're a bazillionaire because everybody clicked through and made all this money, and then you know other people are just, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Maybe I, that's how you need to do it. Get your cat on a Roomba and start there. I don't know. <laughs> There's also something to be said about artistic integrity. And that's the that's the part where I become kind of snobby. Because I remember when Adult Swim was first launching some of these rougher than normal looking animated shows, I was actually kind of having a hard time with it. I was like, that's not an animated show. That That's scribbles. But I... I've learned to tone down my angry response because it just, it, it, I, I was looking in someone else's bowl because mine wasn't full, you know, and I was getting really jealous that, oh, these people are selling TV shows and they're knocking this stuff out so easy, if you know what I mean. Like, it's just rough animation, unfinished out the door and it's killing. And meanwhile, I can't make something sell and that's frustrating, but um that was what was in you know it was less about the the polished look and less about the the animation it was more about the content or the dialogue you know space goats great example those guys you could just record them doing anything just about and it would sell it would work so um is think it about good it. today i don't know but um i think so <laughs> i think it still works it's just i try not to get hung up on my shortcomings uh, if i'm not selling something but i want to know well, what do I have that is working? Okay, I think my style is pretty good. I think my drawing style is pretty good. I think my writing is pretty good. Okay, then don't get hung up on the other stuff. Trim that back, and that'll hopefully make it knock out faster. I don't know. You and I are in a field where rejection is the norm, mm -hmm. and you know, if, and you grow thick enough skin, and you're like, fine, I'll just move on, and you keep going. It may sting and it may hurt, but when you believe in what you're doing, it makes it worthwhile. And, and clearly, you you're passionate about what you do, and yeah. it shows. Thank you. I I take well comedy. I take very seriously, and I my only my biggest frustrations right now, and probably forever, will be 
not getting enough outlets. Like I'm not getting it out. I'm not making them fast enough. It just, I get caught up with life and all that stuff. And I'm not making enough content. I told myself, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I'm like, I'm watching too much stuff. I'm bringing way too much art in and I'm not putting enough out. I need to make sure my outbox is at least even to my inbox for all this into because i'm just there's no shortage of stuff there's plenty of movies we got enough platforms i'm overloaded with how good everything is it's so good it's it's really good stuff you know but it's just there's too much of it and i will i accept that i will miss out on some great stuff i will never see that show or that series or movie and i'm sure it's great and I'm never going to see it. Now I'll just move on. I need to get over that because I'm not making enough stuff. So you can, you can, you can drown in, in, in every, in so many things and never rise to the top to get to your own, to get to your own work. You get, cause there's always something, there's always something new, something better, something this. And I think that's, that's difficult. There's an artist and what he does is he does one painting a day. Hmm. If it's not finished, that's it. He walks away from it and he moves on. It's, it, I've tried to adopt that philosophy. It doesn't work for me because I'm like, wait a minute, you know, and if you know, Bob Ross, that's not fair to you. Yeah, right. You know, I, let's put a little tree right here. Very, very good. I loved Bob Ross. I watched them all the time, but it's this, you know, it's, it's letting it go and it, it's very difficult um, there are a lot of outlets and if anybody wants to find more this these are your outlets right now where um, social media outlets and your reels are it, it's 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 so hard to rise to the top and it's so hard when clearly you're very talented but you've got the right philosophy you 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 make your own opportunity and you keep going and, mm -hmm. and and that's all that you can do. Make, you know, I see all these people making their own channels. Like Vimeo is a great, great place where you can whiteboard your own channel. Um, and it doesn't even say Vimeo. It says whatever you want it to say. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's, to your point, it's just getting, getting the work out there, but getting something that you can be proud of. Um, and again, I do it. One, I really like making people laugh. I think it's really fun. That's one of my languages, preferred languages is comedy. And animation is another way. I mean, animation is almost instantly funny. People find it funny from the get-go. But to make somebody really laugh, that's incredibly rewarding. But again, I do this stuff because I want to see it. <laughs> that's selfish, but that's so true. Like, I really, I'm not a narcissist, but I really think the content I've written, some of these sketches, I'm like, I just want to see that. And I will laugh for a long time at that and i will be happy in the monopolization short like i'm still entertained by it even though it's, it's a silly little thing it doesn't matter you created it and it makes you happy and it makes you and and you know what you're capable of doing i mean comedy is hard and i i said mm -hmm. to somebody it's like comedy to me was like i had friends who did stand up but i said to, i said to one of them one time to, when you go you're right you go to stand up and the people are like okay make me laugh to me it's like when you go to the you know, you go to the clairvoyant or the fortune teller and they, you knock on the door and she says, well, who is it? And it's like, you ought to know you're the fortune teller, right? You should be able to know that it's me. I don't have to tell you my name. Right. <laughs> I, I feel like sometimes that's what it's like with comedy. It's like, Hey, make me laugh. And I, 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 I think it's brave. Um, it's I, tough. And so much of it, unfortunately, is people trying to do what they 
what's trending, what's topical, you know, what buzzwords are in the air and what's in the news. And I, that's fine. I mean, that's comedy. That's totally fine. But I really love when a comedian, again, old soul, I respond to jokes that'll last, well, at least 10 years. You know, I want to hear George Carlin and Groucho. And, you know, I know I'm in the elite that way, but like, I prefer these jokes that aren't going anywhere. Um, same with the animation I watch. I don't want to see I mean, South Park is one of the exceptions though. I do love South Park, but, but I do want to be able to enjoy it at least 10 years later, at least. I, I think an underrated stand-up comic is Bob Newhart. Oh, he's great. Love if you guy. listen to the old Bob Newhart and then yeah. compare that coming out with him was Lenny Bruce, mm -hmm. you know, it would, they couldn't be any more. <laughs> diverse if they tried you know and that sitcom? that's hilarious oh my gosh but it's <laughs> you know there was something to be said for that i i was glad when um i was introduced to you um by uh my friend dixie and i was glad mm -hmm. that she did because i i had a good time you know digging through um and learning about it i i've always been fascinated by animation i used to collect cells Ooh. Not the reproduction. They had to be the original. Mm -hmm. I'm very picky. And I have my Marvin the Martian. And if you touch wow. it, I will hurt you. <laughs> it's like That's in my will. Cool. It is. It's very cool. And in my will, it's going to, you know. I also have the original coloring book from the Montgomery Ward from uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's like. Oh, my God. How yeah, this child. I did some digging. I really wanted it. And I found one and I purchased it on, on, um, I don't know if it was eBay or something like that. Whoever this child was, they were a child after my own heart because they didn't touch it. The wow. book is perfect. <laughs> it's, be it's behind glass and it was part of a museum, um, exhibition a few years ago. Um, John, my, my partner accidentally hit it and he broke the frame. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I've never seen panic go run to a person's body as quickly as it did his he's like i didn't mean it i didn't hurt it did i i'm like no we're good but it's it, there was something about those things that you know they're they were they're are they as slick as they you know the modern stuff no but there's something about them that's mm -hmm. timeless and it lasts and in in that's that's the goal. I mean, like you said, you're an artist. You're going to, what you leave behind is going to last long after you and I have moved on to another sphere. And, and I so think that somebody pays for my YouTube subscription. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a way to do it. I, I really appreciated getting, um, getting to learn about your work. I, I, and I, op and I thank you again. We, we had tried to do this podcast once before and we had a technical issue and David was kind enough to come back and join us. I, I really do think that you've got a, you really have a unique talent and Thank I, you. and I enjoy it. And I, I think you're going to, you know, I think one day I'm going to, someone's going to come to me and say, you have an archive uh, podcast from this you know artist and we'd like it. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. I I really appreciate that. I genuinely do. And I, it's stuff like that that keeps fuel in the tank. I mean, I got my own coal in there, but like, that sounds weird. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it, it, 
doesn't, you have to believe in yourself or you can't do this. This is not, you are an artist and it is not for the faint of heart. You've, you've got to have the stomach for someone to say, I think you suck and you have to have the, you know, in the stomach for someone to say, wow, this is amazing. It's, it's, it's a very hard profession to be a part of. And I always look around and whoever partners we have, I think they should be sainted because <laughs> it's not easy yeah. to be an artist. And the classic artist move is the self-loathing, you know, oh, what was me? Pain, 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 pain makes for good art. I don't believe that, but it is like the go-to default artist move. And anyway, it's nice to hear someone support and say applause. That's very nice. So I you. would I hope that you'll, you know, we we got off to a rocky start with the first podcast, but if you just keep me up to date with what you're doing and we'll push it out. And you're always welcome to come back and talk yep. about whatever's new and exciting. And if you, when you make a little wheel of all your little sketches and we'll we'll have our own little viewing party and we can start. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I think it would be great. That'd be I awesome. I think it'd be fun. I think, I I, I think there are some outlets, and I've and I've got one in my head already that I think could work for you. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I thank you very much for your time. I thank know it was a little much. bit. This and I know you weren't fun. feeling well. Um, oh. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I I I really like I said this. This is the to me the most fascinating thing in the world, and I. Isn't it great? Anything to be able to do it, but I, I know I have it's limping like medium, and everyone's like it's done, and then it finds a way every few years to kind of resurge, and I just think it's so cool. I mean, I'm not a car guy, but I imagine that's like singing old hot rod. It's just oh. so beautiful to me. That's my hot rod. It's just this beautiful medium. I mean, don't get me wrong, love 2D animation, absolutely love it, and CG, you're not so bad either. But stop motion, uh, you can't you can't beat that. You need the human touch, and you and, and no computer's ever gonna recreate that. I don't care what anybody says. I, I, I think I don't think it will happen. Um, I really do appreciate you taking the time. And I'm one real quickly one more time. This is if you want to get some more information, we'll post it when we post the podcast. You'll see all this information as well. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time, and I hope you had a good time. I had a great time. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we'll keep in touch. We will. Hey, this has been Colliding Worlds. You know, you said sometimes you miss, sometimes you win. Sometimes it just takes a couple of tries, but we did it. Have a great one and I'll see you in a week or so. Have a good one. Bye now. <laughs> okay. Bye.